Good morning, everybody. Here we are with our next podcast. I'm Dr. Sal Pacella. My Instagram handle is at San Diego Plastic Surgeon. I'm out of San Diego. I'm joined by my good friends and colleagues, Dr. Sam Jajurikar from Dallas. His Instagram handle is Sam Jajurikar. And then, of course, Dr. Sam Ree from Paramus, New Jersey, who's at Bergen Cosmetic. Welcome, gentlemen. How are you guys doing today? Very well. Doing, doing right. well. well. We're, we're going to do a very interesting topic today, which is near and dear to the hearts of three very athletic but sore middle-aged men. So we're going to talk <laughs> about surgical ergonomics. So I'm going to hand it over to, to Dr. Ree for a disclaimer. This show is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. This show is for informational purposes only. Treatments and results may vary based on the circumstances, situation, and medical judgment. After appropriate discussion, always seek the advice of your surgeon or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding medical care and never disregard medical advice or delay seeking advice because of something in this show. So this is a really interesting topic, guys, that I really appreciate the fact that we're talking about this. And it's about health and longevity and body positioning in the operating room. And, and just as a quick aside here, I, I come from a, a very middle class, low middle class family. My father was an auto worker, so to speak, a blue collar worker. Okay, and his idea in parenting was to try to get his kids in a profession where they didn't have to ruin their bodies by standing on a line all day long. Okay, and as it turns out, I am, I am a blue collar worker. We are not white collar workers. We are not in an office all day long typing away doing Zoom calls. We are in a exceptionally physical and problematic job when it comes to neck, back, shoulder, wrist pain etc. And I didn't really appreciate this when I was a younger resident in my 30s, early 30s, but now I'm 47 and these days sometimes are getting longer. And it's a challenge for neck, back, shoulder pain constantly, particularly the days that I'm operating. So what? tell me, guys, what's your experience here? Absolutely. I feel... I have to get myself ready every day if I have a long case. I have to know what I'm going to feel like afterwards. I know every day that I am operating if for a long case, I'm going to feel beat up. I have made many changes in the way I work in order to try to minimize some of this pain. But it's it sounds stupid because, yeah, we're not lifting 50-pound bags or hauling large weights, but does mess you up. And I know a lot of surgeons who are really messed up and because of long careers in the operating room. Yeah. To just follow what you said, we are highly paid manual laborers, but my practice is predominantly body contouring. I do a lot of liposuction, a lot of, a lot of just heavy lifting throughout the course of the day. And most days I'm operating for eight, 10 hours a day doing that sort of labor. So I have to Treat it like you are, like you're working out. I, I stretch in the morning. I actually will do aerobic exercise in the morning and, and stretch for 20 or 30 minutes before I go to the operating room in order to try to prevent injury while operating. Right. Now, now, let's back up a little bit here. So let's talk about maybe your career or your activity level before medicine and then afterwards. I, and the reason I mention this is I don't know any one of my friends or guys my age who are in their 40s that had some reasonable athletic career prior to being a physician 
that don't have a major orthopedic injury in their 40s. How about you guys? What what did you do as a younger person, activity level, any sports, etc.? I was the typical studious non-athlete growing up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was not good at sports. I was not particularly coordinated. I, I think this the most strenuous thing I ever did was swing a golf club, probably, and not that great at that. I really didn't have a very athletic background, and... Prior to being a surgical resident, I basically sat in a library and read a lot. That was me. <laughs> I wouldn't have pinned that based off of your lever <laughs> of physical fitness you have now. Dr. Ree is the most buff of all of us now, so that is a surprising statement to me. I, I, I played sports. I played tennis. I played baseball. I lifted a lot of weights. I wasn't particularly good at anything, but but I played all of those sports through high school and lifted weights a lot in college and medical school. Yeah. Yeah. I Unfortunately, I, th I think I was going the other way. I, I was into a ton of athletics as a kid and in high school. I played high school football, wrestle, track, and then rugby was my lifelong sport. And unfortunately, I was playing up until age 35 and just tremendous devastation on my body. I have a couple ACL repairs. I have some cartilage damage in my knee. Later on, a few years after that, I had a L5-S1 herniation. And my, my body sometimes, when I wake up in the morning, I'm just feeling it, every single joint. And the regimen of what I have to do to keep myself limber and to keep myself healthy in order to do my job is fairly extensive. So, you, so Sam from Dallas, you mentioned you do you work out beforehand in the operating room or at home mm -hmm. or wherever you go to the gym mm -hmm. beforehand. How about you, uh, Dr. Reed from Jersey? Yeah, I'm a late bloomer when it comes to athletics. That is true. Fitness is a big focus in my life. And I think that has helped me in terms of my operating for sure. I typically work out every morning. It really depends though. If I have something that's, uh, I do a lot of body work just like uh, Sam in Dallas does. But if I'm doing something that's like a rhino or something that's more precise, I will take it easy on the workout because I, I feel like that affects my hands a little bit. And then, but I always work out in the morning. I will typically now do a lot more mobility work than I used to. I do yoga at least a couple times a week. I will, I will actually stretch right after I do a case. I will go into my office and I will start doing some mobility work immediately because I found after I did a case, I literally could not even bend to touch my shins. Everything was so stiff. Yeah. I said, this is not good. And I realized I, and then I would go home and I would be literally in pain going to bed. So I figured I had to start mobilizing right away as soon as I was done with the case. And that's helped me a lot. It, it's, it's truly amazing. I think not many people realize just how demanding physically this job is. When you're sitting there holding a retractor into somebody's breast and you're trying to look like this for 45 minutes to two hours at a time, it is just contracts everything constantly. And we're not in a job where we can sit and drink water constantly or stretch when things are tightening up. It's so it's very challenging for me to get through a long case like that. I have to, I know there was a philosophy I learned in residency where Paul Sederda used to say, you should, guys, you should do everything from one side of the table. Like you should operate on the left side 
from your right side. And I, I did that for a number of years and I just found that this entire side was contracting. So I make it a point to go to the opposite side when I'm doing a bilateral case, just for some relief. I think I've realized, especially in the OR, some of the things that really mess me up if I do it a lot is if I'm flexing my neck down a lot for long periods of time, if I that kills me. So I've started to make sure I keep everything closer to my eyes so that I don't have to flex down or I adjust whatever it is, my, my surgical field. I also, if I'm, like you said, if I'm elevating my shoulder a lot, that kills me. That really kills me. If I'm leaning forward, if I'm extending over myself, that, that really kills me. If I'm turned and my posture is not, if I'm flexed and turned at the same time for long periods of time, that really messes me up. Just by keeping my distances closer to me, keeping things elevated as opposed to down and trying not to, like you said, keep in a contracted, twisted position for a long period of time has helped me because when you're in your thirties and you start as a resident, it's not about you, right? It's about your attending and it's about you assisting others. And so you're just sitting there in every weird, especially in medical school, weird position imaginable just to try to help provide yeah. exposure or something for somebody else. And so you never learn how to like manage your own er ergonomics in an OR. Right. And then when you start operating, you just transfer that over, except now you're the one who's sitting there for, like you said, Sam, six, eight hours at a time doing these cases. Right. And so it was only when I got into my forties that I realized I'm having a lot of cervical discomfort. My low back is killing me. I'm having, I have colleagues. We all know people who've gotten operations for yeah. musculoskeletal issues. So about three years ago, I had profound shoulder pain. Saw an orthopedic surgeon who's a spine, uh, who's a shoulder specialist, and basically was told I needed rotator cuff surgery right on the border. But they gave me the option of doing physical therapy and doing some corticosteroid injections and physical therapy. So I got to talking to the physical therapist quite a bit and really gained an appreciation for the importance of just like you said, Dr. Reef, flexibility and mobility exercises after surgery, before and after surgery, to try to balance ourselves. Because when you do, Sal was saying, if you spend time just on one side of the body and you're contracting your body, you're putting asymmetric load on your body. And so stretching, yoga, huge benefits to preventing injury long-term. Then other tricks that in the operating room, which sometimes we just tend to shortchange because during residency, it was always about speed, speed, speed. But adjusting the operating table. When you're sitting it's down key. relative Absolutely to standing key. when you're operating, it relieves a huge strain on your body and you can do them substantially more comfortably. Raising a table upwards so you're not putting so much strain on your shoulder. Going to the left and the right side of the body when doing liposuction or a breast surgery so that you're so loading your body equivalently on both sides can make it can make a huge improvement. And three years later, after really making a concerted effort to change these things in my own practice, I feel substantially better than I did at that point in my life, and I never had to have yeah. surgery. Now, Sam from Dallas, you are you right-handed or left-handed? I'm right-handed. Okay, and which shoulder was bothersome? Your left shoulder? No, my right shoulder. It was predominantly oh, from liposuction. Oh, okay, got it. So one one just interesting modification here that I learned from my therapist was I, I was explaining to him the aches and pains that I have at times. And so sometimes I get some shoulder pain too. So I was explaining how we're holding a retractor doing a breast augmentation. Something so simple as this, okay? The rotator cuff is not designed to go beyond 90 degrees this way, 
okay? And so any sort of stretching or strengthening exercises for the rotator cuff, the orthopods will tell you don't go beyond 90 degrees, okay? So if you're stretching, do this, right? Don't go beyond. And so that's exactly what we do when we're doing a retractor for a breast surgery. We're doing this, right? And that is just devastating to the shoulder joint. And I hear you guys with raising the table. It's amazing to me I, that they don't teach this in surgical residency and how to respect your body. I'm very relatively frequently operating with other surgical teams, orthopedics, ENT, ophthalmology, general surgeons. And nine times out of 10, these guys are operating these guys and ladies are operating with the operating room table at waist high. And so you're just doing this, right? And so I get my table up as high as I can go comfortably. It just totally helps my neck and back. The funny thing is, is as surgeons, we can't help but be asymmetric. So when I was having a couple of years ago, the, these issues, especially my low back, low back issues and uh, shoulder issues, I, I saw a friend of mine who's a chiropractor and he checked my mobility and the mobility from one shoulder to the other is like night and day. And the reason being is just like Sam does, I do, I can't lipo with my left hand. That would be literally impossible. My left hand is my guiding hand for my surgery. I do everything with my right because he said, you know what you need to do? You need to start using both hands, brush your teeth with your left hand, do other things with your left hand. And I was like, okay, but the biggest part of my life, which is operating, I only do with my right hand. I'm not cutting or dissecting with my left hand. I'm only using my right. My left is my, as Sal said, my power hand, my you know retract hand, my guide hand. But other than that, it's really all on my right upper extremity. And he's, can't you do anything to try to balance out what you do? I was like, not, not now. It's a little bit too late to learn how to become a ambidextrous surgeon. I'm sorry. That's just not going to happen at this point. So Sam, you so, said- So I actually, I, yeah, I, was, I actually learned at that point to start doing liposuction with my left upper extremity. It was actually something during my fellowship. One of my mentors was Jerry Pittman, who I believe is now retired, but really busy a liposuction surgeon in New York City and made the point to prevent wear and tear in your body to learn to do liposuction with your left hand in addition to your right hand. And that was a big emphasis of what he taught us during our fellowship at Manhattan Nine Ear. And I'm incredibly grateful for that because That's I true. probably do 30 to 40% of all of my liposuction in a, in a given case with my left hand and I can That's switch. Right. And I think it's an important thing to be able to do, Sam, because it really will protect your right shoulder. Yeah, you're right. Now, Jersey Sam, you, you mentioned you see a chiropractor. Do you, do you see that person regularly or what, or is it just as needed? That was as needed. I hate seeing doctors in general. I hate seeing people like any kind of getting any kind of medical care. So it was only when I was truly desperate that I sought assistance. And it was probably also I was burning the candle at both ends. It was when I just when I just started CrossFit. And you know what the first rule about CrossFit is, Sal. Always talk but, about CrossFit. Always talk, talk about, about CrossFit. Dr. J from uh, Dallas, do you see any other accessory professional routinely? Or how do you deal with some of these body aches and pains routinely? So I have, uh, I have an elaborate massage chair, um, which I use three or four times a week. I use Normatech compression boots for my lower extremities, which are, so I use a lot of ancillary massage devices most nights 
to get me limber for the next morning. And then my workout routine has changed to one that has very little weightlifting involved, but one that's more aerobic and more stretching and mobility so that I'm limber when I'm doing surgery. I, I, I used to emphasize weight training substantially more than I do right now, but I, I try to avoid putting any additional load on my joints. Yeah, it's interesting that both of you guys work out before surgery in the morning. And I used to do that. I was an early riser, 5 a.m. I'd go to the gym ahead of time and I felt pretty refreshed. But those the cases towards the end of the day, I found myself getting very burned out and not having a lot of longevity past six o'clock. And um, so I, I changed my regimen now. So now I'm concentrating a little bit more on getting a little bit extra sleep. I'm still at work by seven, but the act of working out at the end of the day, I think is almost like my little therapy. It hits those muscles where they're stiff. I do some flexibility, stretch some bands, get a little cardio in, and it, it's definitely helpful. The one, the for me, the single most important thing that I do is... I have a, a great relationship with a, a chiropractor, but it's not a chiropractor who does, who cracks, okay? It's a gent who does ART or active release therapy. It's essentially a deep tissue massage, and I routinely do this every week as much as I can. I have a standing appointment at 7 a.m. on Thursday mornings. It's my office day. I go in there. Whatever's hurting that, that week, he just works right through, and it's usually neck back. And most recently, it's the thumbs. We, the thinner eminence of the thumbs, we're always holding devices and holding retractors, and those just get exceptionally sore. And I, I just feel like a million bucks after I come out of there. Now, let me ask you guys a question too. Any any medications that help with you guys? You take any Motrin, ibuprofen, Arthrotec, any sort of anti-spasmodic medication, anything help for you? The first thing I want to say is I have done ART and I think it's really helpful. I've had it a, a couple times when I was in a, acute inflant, like inflamed situations, again, mostly from working out, but it hurts. It's, they scrape the crap out of your, out of the fascia, it really helps. I'm, I am, I do like it. I think it's really nice. I also, uh, to comment on Sam, I've, I use, I have Normatex too. I have the knockoff brand, but I love the squeezy boots. I think anything that sort of helps with blood flow and mobilizing is really good. I don't, I find my workout routine to be more about recovery. I don't go as hard every day as I used to. I think it's really important, as uh, Sam said, to be less impact on your joints. I think my body physiologically, because I, I do see a lot of former athletes in the gym and they are beat up just like uh, Sal is from previous surgeries and injuries. And I'm pretty, I never beat the crap out of myself in high school. So I guess I'm lucky that way that I don't have any residual issues to deal with so much, but it is about Im joint impact, which is really important. From a medication standpoint, the only, I don't, I've really tried to avoid taking ibuprofen. It makes me feel like a million dollars when I do take it. And it's scary to me that it takes a lot of my little aches and pains away. So I actually tried not to take it. About the only thing I take regularly is melatonin at night because I really want my six to seven hours if I can possibly get it. It makes me feel so much different than if I only get five to six. I have trouble sometimes going to bed right away. My mind is always like running all over the place. So I'll take the melatonin about 20 minutes beforehand and, and it helps me a lot, but that's pretty much it. Yeah, I don't take any anti-inflammatories on a regular basis because I don't 
I'm not really in that much pain anymore. I'm not, not like it used to be. I, I take a variety of over-the-counter supplements and vitamins and take 15 or 20 pills every morning that are all over-the-counter supplements. And for hair growth, I take Nutrafol for my hair. But but I don't I don't take anything to help me sleep. I have no problem sleeping, and I don't really take any anti-inflammatories either. Yeah, I hear you on the Motrin, Sam. I only I might take it at most once a week, and it's sometimes just you know I wait. Sometimes just the way I was laying in bed, I may wake up with a one-sided headache or a neck crank or something like that, and it's just to get through the day. But I try to minimize that. One of the things that I think has helped quite a bit, which I got onto about four or five months ago, is chondroitin sulfate. I, I take uh, and magnesium. So I I take. Uh, chondroitin twice a day, once in the morning, once at night. And it, it, the human studies are pretty nebulous, but there's actually, believe it or not, a, a huge population of studies in, the vet, in veterinary medicine. And I actually think it has helped quite a bit with some joint pain and knee pain. The other thing with magnesium at night, we, I think it just helps replenish the muscles. It relaxes the muscles a little bit. I even get a little bit sleepy when I take it, which is kind of nice. I think just understanding what you need and what works for you. Not everything is going to work for everybody else. I'm like Sam. I take a lot of supplements too. I take magnesium too, which I think really helps me a lot. I used to get awful cramps and I think that was one of the things that was very helpful for me. Yeah, great. Guys, even though you, your bodies are falling apart, you still look fantastic. I got to say it's all that <laughs> Botox and all that skin work you guys have been doing. I love it. Love it. I think we've talked a bit about how to keep our bodies going, and I do hope that both of you operate well into your 90s and die with a scalpel in your hand, okay? My last patient really won't appreciate that, but okay, thanks. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully it's at the end of the case, but yes, yes. That's a, a sweet sentiment. All right. Well, sign it off, guys. Till next week. Thanks. Take All right. Care. Take care, gents.